it's because I tackle fear extensively and in my book too, because the fear of being alone is a very, very heavy fear. And like I said, it can permeate your experience dating and really cloud your vision. You'll lose your clarity. And so I have exercises to help you walk through what are the beliefs that are are causing that fear. Because if you experience that emotion of fear, there's some sort of belief and mindset that is at the root of that. And if she does have this fear that because I'm alone now and I've been alone for the last several years, I'm going to be alone forever. We really have to tackle and manage that fear in order to date from a healthy place. Welcome to Love and Life. I'm Dr. Karen Anderson Abril here with my co host, Pastor Elliot Anderson. And Love and Life is your place to hear conversations grounded in psych research, psychotherapy, and biblical truth to help us thrive in love and life. Okay, Elliot, we have a Q&A episode ahead of us because someone slid into my DMs with a question and she gave us some nice words about the podcast, how she's really resonating with our episodes. And I said, hey, do you, if you have any questions, please reach out. And she sent one over and here it is. She says, for almost five years now, I've been single and it hasn't been easy. I've been hurt too many times, which has made me put up walls to protect myself. I've even been told I come across as very judgmental and standoffish, which I know is just a defense mechanism. Even when I try to put myself out there and go on dates, I find it difficult to let my guard down, especially when I start to feel interested in someone. Unfortunately, my dating experiences have been disappointing. The people I'm drawn to don't seem to want a relationship with me, or they just disappear without explanation. On the other hand, those who are interested in me don't seem like a good fit, and I always find something that doesn't feel right. I know deep down that I want to find love, but I feel hesitant and unsure about what it should look like or how to go about finding it. I see my friends happily coupled up, and I can't help but wonder when it will be my turn. Since moving abroad three years ago, I've been on at least 75 first dates, but none have led to a meaningful connection. I'm tired of feeling stuck and alone. I want to learn how to be more vulnerable and find my person. Any advice on how to open up and find someone who truly wants to be with me would be greatly appreciated. So I think we're going to have a couple different perspectives on this because right off the bat, I'm going to say I've been there, felt that girl. Sure. I have been there. I I should have counted them up. I should have. I know there were more than 75. Started dating at 15 and didn't get married till 42. So there were some first dates along the way. Absolutely. So my heart, get it. I, like I said, I have been there. I have experienced that. So my first thought is sometimes someone special, it's timing is everything. So my first thought is maybe she's being a little hard on herself which is, of course, what we do. And I've, I talk about that in my book. Like, you try to figure out, what's what am I doing wrong? Or what's going wrong? And what can I do to fix it so I can meet my person? But sometimes there's a timing element. What do you think, Elliot? First thing is, how are you allowed to date at 15 when we weren't supposed to date till we were 16? It was the yeah, what's uh, lifeguard. Up with that? It was the lifeguard from camp. And mom and dad So it wasn't a, officially authorized. Well, it was a summer fling for a week. And then he did come visit me. All right, so we got how, that I on. I don't know how mom and dad allowed that, actually. I want to get that on the books Third first. child, they were tired, worn out from you. That was the first thing. <laughs> <laughs> so they were, all the rules were out the oh, window. That's right. Well, it makes sense. You were a good kid. My first perspective in hearing this, thank you for the question and thank you for the vulnerability. Just the courage to do that is really cool. And it's a great sign that she's motivated 
she cares and she really desires what we want to help her with. My second perspective is that her entire dating experience right now seems completely saturated in fear. I wouldn't call it necessarily trauma unless she told us more about what some of those dates did. It could have produced trauma. I'm not trying to make it minimized. But I hear the whole thing set up in fear and the expectation then, the expectations plus belief equals fulfillment. So the expectations then are not open, even if she's trying to be open. It's not based on positivity and belief, even if she's trying to believe. And so I hear her, even with her word choices, feeling like this is almost outside of her ability to control. And she's the one who acknowledged, I'm putting the walls up. And that she's drawn actually to the ones who aren't interested and feeling not interested in those who are. So that's a dance to work through. That takes some time and some self-awareness. She sounds very self-aware already. Yeah, for sure. And so trying to understand why are those walls up? Is it a fear of intimacy? Because if guys are interested, why not take a couple more steps slowly in the pacing we always discuss and see how that develops? But we'd have to hear more, but it sounds like it gets broken down in those steps. Yeah, to segue from what you're saying, I think, like you were saying, if guys are interested, but the ones that are interested in her, she's not feeling. So you're suggesting maybe the ones that are interested in her, a first step could be just go on that second date. This is nothing serious, but just a second date, just to see if a little bit more time together, a little more exposure. Maybe that first date, he's nervous and he's not being able to put his best foot forward. And then maybe she could see to allow a little room for some feelings to develop. Yeah, sometimes when we're stuck in certain patterns and we're almost drawn more to the conflictual side of the potential than we are harmonious. And so maybe some of the dates that haven't gone really well or the guys have come off abrasive or aggressive and, ooh, she's like, I find that attractive. And yet then they push her away or they don't call back or whatever else. She gets ghosted, if that's the appropriate language. It is. Thank you. Look how hip you are. I am getting there. <laughs> but it I sounds like to me she's got some conditional associations and is actually drawn to the ones that probably aren't best for her and possibly accidentally blocking the ones that might be good for her. Yeah. And it reminds me of something we've talked about extensively. And I felt this over the years. And I know many women have felt that, gosh, I was the ones that like me, I'm not feeling and vice Mm -hmm. versa, is when someone is pursuing us and we're not feeling it, we naturally put up this kind of wall, which of course, guys want to pursue. So that just they might think, oh, she's playing hard to get. Yeah. Or even if they're thinking, I don't know if they're even thinking it, but by by virtue of her pulling away a bit, that they ca- that causes them to pursue. And then the guys that she is feeling, maybe she is, without realizing it, coming toward them too much and taking away the fun element of a pursuit from the guys that she is Yeah, my guess in. is she's more comfortable being the pursuer than the pursuee. I wonder, we'd have to know a little bit more, but yeah. yeah. But that, so it's throwing the dance off a little bit. And there's nothing wrong with that in my book, I know you might differ on some of that, some mutual pursuit. But it sounds like right now, if she's receiving the pursuit, somehow she's not as attracted to that. But I'm going to say, I'm going to throw this out here. It's related. I believe if a woman pursues a man too hard and it gets out of balance, mm-hmm. mutual I- indicating that you're attracted absolutely, and open to his pursuing, dropping the handkerchief, as the women mm-hmm. used to do in the Victorian era, to let the man know, yes, please pick up the handkerchief for me. That's an open invitation to pursue me. But if a woman takes the lead in the pursuit, I believe she will inherently feel anxious. Sure. She will have 
anxious attachment vibes, anxiety when she is taking charge, especially in the early days and she's taking the lead and she's calling him up and she's texting him. Yeah, automatically I want to know family systems. I want to know, that's my first background in counseling. I'd like to know what's the mother relationship like, the father relationship, the marriage above you, siblings, all those contexts to get an idea. But it sounds like from the question that she is putting the wall up herself first, not necessarily in response to something. That's why I'm saying there seems to be a lot of fear based in here somewhere. And I've done a lot of this kind of work with clients through Dr. Karen's podcast, which is now Dr. Karen and Pastor Elliot podcast. <laughs> done a lot of work in this area. And this is where I think doing some transactional, that's what I call it, systemic structured preparation to really be writing down, okay, what kind of guy do I really need and want and why? And be very specific with self. What am I drawn to? What am I not drawn to? Even if you don't want to bring a notebook to the date, and be reading it while you're looking at the guy and checking things off, but just so you have it in your lens and your framework. Yeah, and I think that gets to those tangibles of what are my values? What are my deal breakers? What are my must haves? Mm -hmm. And those would be aligned with your values. And then where are like, I'd prefer this, but I can live with it maybe. And of course those would not be rooted in any core values whatsoever. Those would be like, I'd like him to be six feet, but if he's 5'11", fine, or I never cared. Dad was short. Yeah, and in this context of, openness and availability to some counsel or particular perspective, maybe it is time for her to do it differently. So 75 dates isn't a ridiculous number, depending on if that's 75 dates in a year, that's pretty high, but not ridiculous. Are you all online mm. and you need to switch offline and go to in-person, getting yourself in social constructs to, to start a different organic process? Sometimes mm -hmm. I think online is beautiful for many people and works really well to help break down certain barriers that might be there or fears. So maybe these are all in person and then she needs to go online where you can actually do like a bunch of pre-dating or first date information out mm -hmm. ahead of time. Maybe that would help her. So again, we need more information, but looking at those constructs could help. Yeah. And getting back to what you were saying about those, or maybe I was saying about the values, but either way, we were both talking about values. But anyway, look at those values that would help her then with that first date with someone she's not solely feeling, but she'd be like, wait a minute though, everything I've learned during this dinner shows what I've gathered so far shows that he's a good fit for my values. So that would warrant another date and see if the attraction develops. And we know with women, attraction is more holistic than it is for men. Right. And so if they're already attracted to her and her physicality and her appearance and her presence and her energy, that's a first step for men. But for women, I think the attraction of the man's physical appearance and qualities can be enhanced greatly if he's just a great guy. Yeah. He cracks her up. Yeah. Friendly, kind, generous, right. gracious, compassionate, gentle, mm -hmm. whatever she might be looking for. Right. If those things or elements are available, but she's not, oh, I'm just not crazy about him. That might be healthy. She builds into a stronger desire. So to summarize, I want to get back to what you started with the fear. And whenever we are experiencing the world and certainly in dating through a lens of fear and fear-based, we're going to be in trouble. Mm -hmm. it, it, there's going to be problems because we'll do oftentimes one of two things. We'll either, like she's saying, we'll shut down to self-protect mm -hmm. or we will find ourselves feeling like we said earlier too, pursuing because it's like, I got to make something work. Like mm -hmm. she mentioned, my friends are coupled up and then maybe lowering our standards because we just want to be with someone so badly because of that yeah. fear of being alone that started to permeate. And the comparative. It's understandable, of course, we all do it. But if you get stuck in that, 
you might rush into something that's not good just because you're in a comparison mode and a connection. And I do want to give a nod to my Empower Dating Playbook because in that resource, and it's just a little workbook you get for free when you head over to loveandlifemedia.com, you sign up for our newsletter list and you get this because I tackle fear extensively. And in my book too, because the fear of being alone is a very, very heavy fear. And like I said, it can permeate your experience dating and really cloud your vision. You'll lose your clarity. And so I have exercises to help you walk through what are the beliefs that are are causing that fear. Because if you experience that emotion of fear, there's some sort of belief and mindset that is at the root of that. And if she does have this fear that because I'm alone now and I've been alone for the last several years, I'm going to be alone forever. We really have to tackle and manage that fear in order to date from a healthy place. Another flip side of that fear on the other side of the equation is fear to actually have intimacy. So I'd encourage her and other listeners, if they're being impacted by this conversation, and you have had a father wound, or a mother wound, or divorce wound, or sexual wound, any of these wound episodes we've talked about, you could actually really want to be in a romantic relationship and actually be so scared of it at the same time you're self-sabotaging. The fear of being known and fully knowing. Yeah. And those are all episodes we've discussed extensively. So head back to the archives of Love and Life to avail yourself of that information. That may be helpful too. So, But we want to thank her so much for reaching out. That's that's attacking your fear. Right. That's Countered a, fear, that's faith. That's what the scripture teaches us. The opposite of fear is faith. Yes, faith over fear. I got Dan a t-shirt that says that. That's awesome. And he gets a lot of great comments when he's walking around with it. So thanks again, yeah, for honoring us and trusting us with your question. Question number two. I matched with a guy on a dating app two years ago. I asked him a question and he responded, but I never responded back. I thought he was out of my league. Recently, I saw him on another dating app and I would like to message him. What should I say? Thank you. I like that question. That's a little bit of a unique perspective. I think, and again, this is just complete gut instincts response. If you're still interested and you now recognize that he's not out of your league, then reach back and just simply tell him what happened. Yeah, just transparency. Absolutely. Only if she believes she's now mm-hmm. in the same because if she's still intimidating, still believing that she is not worthy of him, then that's a terrible way to start. And it's never going to, there'll be inequity. Absolutely. There'll be lack of Even balance. It's just the, perspective right. of hers. Yeah, I agree with you. It's forever throughout the relationship. And give the ladies the male perspective. And we've talked about this before. There can be a woman who, objectively speaking, is not near as cute or not her body isn't near as sexy as someone else. But if she walks around, I'm it, (laughs) and you're going to know I'm it, that is very attractive. Big difference, confidence, (laughs) Yeah, yeah, confidence, belief. And so that's what I think. Obviously, there's not a lot to that for us to digest yet because we don't know. But if she's in a better place now and feeling strong and confident, i just reach out and let them know. Yeah. I was drawn to you the first time. I'm still drawn to you this time. But not to admit that she thought he was out of her league the first time, just to... That's just in her own head, her own heart. But just to let him know, hey... I was attracted to you or drawn to you before. Life got in the way. Yeah. I'm back. Different space, different time. Yeah. Yeah. Whatever. Something in general framework, but why not? Yeah. As long as she's believing differently, I guess Mm that would be the context. And we talked about it with the last question. Timing is oftentimes very critical. So maybe this year has given her time and space to have some intra-personal development and feel a bit more self-assured. And I'll give you that equation again. Belief plus expectation equals fulfillment. 
So if she's expecting now to feel equal and drawn in an equal capacity and believes in that, you'll be fulfilled. Even if it doesn't work, you're going to still feel good about it. And she'll feel good about the fact that she, because if she doesn't yeah, do the, something here, she may always be like, dang, the one that got yeah, away. The regret. <laughs> yeah, we don't yeah. want to have that. And the anxiousness is, in my opinion, the latest equation I'm using with my classes is when we're feeling anxious, attack it with action. Oh, yeah. So whatever you're feeling anxious about, if she's feeling anxious about reaching out to this guy, attack it with action. Quit thinking about it. Quit worrying about it. Be directive, be assertive, and go for it. So move through. Don't overthink it. We all right. overthink. Stop yeah. overthinking. Anxiety's in your head too much. Yeah. Yeah. So and she had the courage again to reach out and ask mm -hmm. us the question. To me, that means she wants to. She just wants us to affirm it. We're affirming it. <laughs> reach out. Do it. <laughs> If you're interested in processing further as you align your mind, body, and spirit, we're here for you. Head over to loveandlifemedia.com and click on the Work With Us tab. There you can book individual or couples sessions. Or sign up for one of our support groups. Purchase one session or a multiple session package. We'd love to work with you. Sign up at loveandlifemedia.com. What advice can you give a couple who is about to be married? Like Just general advice at that's all? That's like your whole platform <laughs> wow, right there. Oh, man. Oh, man. Get a really good premarital instructor and go through some curriculum that teaches you how to know each other, love each other, encourage each other, and grow stronger individually into interdependence. So a lot of couples in this stage getting ready to get married are excited about engagement, which is wonderful, of course, but there's a plateau there. There's a comfort zone there. Maybe you're not asking the tough questions. Maybe you're not probing into certain issues of the past, the present, the future. So I'm glad it's going great. Certainly we celebrate that, but do some intentional work to prepare yourself for a wonderful, but sometimes challenging future. When is your premarital counseling book coming out? I think you got one of those in you. I do. Like, I have too many books I want to write at the moment, but something that would be just 10 questions to ask yourself or 10 steps to take during that engagement phase. Yeah. I, the curriculum is so oiled, oiled at this stage. I've been doing it so many times that I really, it wouldn't be that hard to do. No, it's just, it's such a yeah. part of, of your, of your platform and your counseling. I'll write the chapter about calling off the wedding. That's good. Should That'd that need it. to happen. And I, and again, we want to encourage this uh, listener who responded and asked this question because it's wonderful. So I think it shows again, anybody who shows that kind of outward expression of questioning or asking or concerned or wanting to know is such a great sign that they're learners and hopefully the partner is as well and would be open to going through some good books together or finding, again, finding any counselor for certain situations is great, but find ones that match what you need. Yeah. And I want to say, and this is, we are Christians and we are highly religious, so this is not to diss pastoral type, but I know that there have been some like pastors, priests, they have their own thing that they do before they marry you. But I've heard from people that these are oftentimes just like budget and make sure you... Put yeah, they can be helpful. They can be helpful. But I think if someone is part of our community, they're probably at a deeper level just because mm -hmm. of all the conversations we have and just that they would want to maybe go to make sure that they're not... Like you said, and there's no rose-colored glasses that they're asking those tough questions. They're anticipating, okay, well, how are we going to spend Christmas the first mm -hmm. year? Because one of our moms is going to be mad. <laughs> and yeah. that sort of thing. And just not dancing around that, but really diving deep, using the engagement time to really 
move toward deeper intimacy instead of have fun with the wedding planning, but make sure you're doing this. The- well, and what I tell couples all the time in this premarital curriculum we're doing, which is essentially six sessions preparatory for very specific family roles, faith roles, time and money and power and sex and conflict and all these different things we walk through together based on some scripture first, lots of exercises to do, talk together about them, come back to me, walk through things. At times I'm provoking them to get into those deeper levels, but that whole movement then can help balance the extreme amount of attention and money we put into creating the wedding and we're not working on the marriage. So that often helps. And a ton of parents and grandparents pay for these sessions for the kids, which helps also those, I saw call them kids, just come getting old. <laughs> for those who are getting married because they're younger and maybe they don't have a lot of extra money to pour into that. Maybe they're paying for the whole wedding on themselves. But I think you and I are just saying the intentionality, the integrity to really use this as a planning stage and a preparatory stage and work, work at it. Yeah. Make it better. Not hard work, joyful work. Yeah. Joyful work. So any book recommendations until yours is written? Norman Wright is my favorite author on premarital stuff. He's got all kinds of good stuff. That's Wright with W-R-I-G-H-T. All right. Perfect. As we mentioned before, we do thank you so much for honoring us and trusting us with your very deep and vulnerable concerns. And we hope that our thoughts and responses will feel supportive and encouraging. And please keep the questions coming because as we've said, this podcast is about meeting you where you are and trying to support you as you move through the frustrations and the challenges and all the things that you are dealing with and working through as we all are working through things because we're all works in progress. Thank you, as always, for being a part of the Love and Life family and for rating and reviewing our podcast that helps others find us and join our community. As always, we appreciate you spending a portion of your day with us. It means so much. If you have just a moment to head over to Apple Podcasts and give us a five-star rating and a few words of review, it helps others find the program and join the Love and Life family. We're here to help us all align our mind, body, and spirit for empowered relationships. And until next time, make it a great week. Love and Life is produced by Tim May and hosts and executive producer, Dr. Karen Anderson-Abram.